Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you all having a good day out there today. Out here in Muscle Monday, talking about anatomy, physiology, how it applies, and sometimes, you know, what level of detail do we really need? Sometimes it's pretty intimate, sometimes we can go pretty general, and that's cool too. But be able to have that repertoire in your knowledge to know the difference of when you're oversimplifying it versus when you got it right on the spot. So, uh, this past weekend I took a kind of course about shoulder proprioception for the overhead athlete. And it was fun. It was cool. Um, you know, definitely different this time of year where the majority of things are more online based. Um, so this was a online course um, taught by a bunch of sport fellows. That was, you know, a good group, uh, very educational, and it was great. Um, so part of today, I want to dive into a little bit about more of what proprioception is, how we can utilize it um, for these type of athletes, but. Just saying it was a fun course, really good to getting a uh, strong, solid review of mechanics of baseball, football, volleyball, swimming, uh, and gymnastics for kind of the top top five that they really went over in detail um, to get a good, strong understanding of so we can better help, better serve these athletes. Um, but of course, it's not, not limited to that in application. There's far, far more where that came from. So, anyways, what is proprioception? Does it matter? How do we measure it? And are we actually doing it in clinic, whether intentionally or unintentionally? So, proprioception is a whole idea. It's another sense of the body. It's your body's ability to sense where it is in space without relying on your other systems. Um, So, for example, if you kind of have visual input, if you look at where your hand is, you know where your hand is. But what happens when you don't know? What happens when you don't look, right? That's where proprioception is required to have to take in for you to get an understanding of that, even without any kind of spatial awareness or recognition from any other senses, or even if it's you're not looking at your hand, but you get a visual point of kind of where your eyes are, you're spotting yourself. Okay, well, that could be considered partially proprioception, but not totally. You know, for a baseball pitcher, for example, when their arm winds up behind them, they're not spending time looking at their arm. They know where their arm is, right? Same thing for golf, right? You don't spend time saying, okay, let me, let me, let me feel, let me look, let me look at my hands, let me look at my arms. No, you've put in the reps, you've got the understanding, all your senses are going strong. You know where your arms are and what they're doing. You know where your body is in space. The club is an extension of you. It's really the same thing for all these. So, proprioception is this idea about knowing where you are in space, but it's not just about position. It's about feeling and reacting to forces as well. It's about feeling kind of uh, how much tug, pull, uh, resistance is on that area of that body. And being able to, again, with the proprioceptive sensory motor system, it's not just about feeling it, but it's about doing something with it. So we have the automatic reactions to that as well. Now, how does this apply for athletes, right? 
well, we already talked about it a little bit where, again, these athletes, you can't just be just sitting around looking at your arms, looking at your legs. Like, they've got to know what to do. You've got to get on the field, and it's got to be automatic for whatever your sport is. But we have to train that. And like any of the greats, they're looking for ways to make that training a little bit refined, a little bit better. So we'll do a later podcast episode that's more of a strength training, skill-based precision uh, element of proprioception. But these are just a couple ways uh, for now that you can kind of integrate it into the clinic. And so one of the things that they had us do at first was just with kind of both our dominant arm and non-dominant arm, have the hand out straight and draw a piece of paper it's a big figure eight sign or any other kind of shape, right? That's, you know, harder than a circle that takes a little bit of motor control to be able to coordinate. They just had us draw it. Cool. Easy. But then after that, they had us look at it, close our eyes, and try and draw it again. And see what came up. See if there's a difference one in left to right side for not only a dominant or non-dominant, right? Because a lot of that coordination is not only, hey, what's your handwriting like, right, but it's driven by some proprioceptive elements too about, do you know where your body is in space? Does it have that fine motor control based on what it's telling you to do? So in theory, eyes open, eyes closed should be fairly similar, especially the simpler the shape. It's interesting for me where, uh, well, one of my left side handwriting was definitely not as good to begin with, but then the deficits in proprioception um, a little bit more so there. Part of that is I've had a past left shoulder injury before, um, so that could be an element. And part of it is just that's just not my dominant hand, um, and so I've got to get you know the stabilizers a little bit more uh, fired up and in shape there, ready to go. Uh, then on my right side, the kind of uh, precision was pretty good. But the magnitude was not, whereas I drew that infinity sign, but it was only about half the size. It's right in the money, but half the size. So that calibration for me wasn't quite there. And that's where our cerebellum takes over and says, okay, we got the correction. That's like when you throw a ball, you take a basketball shot, or you throw, you know, perfect example, right? Uh, celebrities throwing the first pitch for a baseball game. Most of them haven't done a ton of that before. Some of them will go do it, and it's like, Wow, I didn't even uh, reach home plate. What's up with that? And then if they went through that repeated, 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 right, they wouldn't end up a great baseball pitcher. But after about 10, 15 times, right, they'd be able to hit to home plate a lot more consistently. That's because it corrects for us. It gets that coordination. But again, it's not just can we get that coordination and control in one position and say, oh, we're good. It's got to be specific to the task. So anytime, again, for the arm and shoulder, for example, that is at, uh, in the mid-range position, so like that 90 degrees of flexion, what that's going to do is that's going to bias it much more towards having your musculotendinous stability in that region. But then let's say, right, we go down a different pathway where we're at more of an end-range position. Well, those are going to be your receptors that are more capsulo-ligamentous and that they're sensing what's going on as well. And we rely on both these and all of these to be able to get accurate depiction of kind of the input into our brain and reaction to that sensory motor system. So again, not just doing these drawing, writing kind of tasks 
in mid-range where you can easily visualize it, but instead of flexion, do abduction, hit external rotation. Um, you know, what I like doing for a lot of people is, you know, they have that kind of laser coordination test, but they'll do that for the cervical spine a lot for deep neck flexor coordination training yet, but you can also do it for the shoulder, right? Attach a laser pointer to just above the wrist so the wrist isn't a big aspect. You can tape it on right there. Other than you can draw it around in these little movements and watch your cat run around. I'm kidding, but not really. Um, you know, cats running around with laser pointers. Love it. Crazy entertaining. But, in reality, for the shoulder, right, you can say, okay, let me have my... Uh, you can put up a piece of paper, even like a praying out target. You can have the laser right on the target. Well, then you close your... Well, then you lower it down, bring it up, and stop just to calibrate it and drive through runs. Well, then you do some different run-throughs, right? And these different run-throughs will have the opportunity where you do them, and, but your eyes are closed, and you bring it up to when you think you're on the target, then you open your eyes, and you see where the difference is. I like doing a lot of this stuff. Um, again, I'll foreshadow a little bit here where we're going for episode in a couple days. But I like using the mace for stuff like this, right? Where you have people kind of hold the unsteady object, unstable object, get the coordination, um, you know, start with the bell down so it's pretty darn easy. Uh, gravity's weighing you down versus the heavier weight on top, more like the kettlebell bottom up position. But once you're in that area, right, what happens is, okay, your body has to react to it. You have to hold it. All these muscles are firing back and forth, kind of having this dynamic stability, stabilization with each other. And in that process of doing that, right, you acquire all these muscles to have a much more reactive approach. And when they're able to be reactive, then that's that coordination that can help it stabilize. But then you take it the next step further. When you're ready, baby level by baby level, don't just hold it, but hold it. Blink, open, blink, open. Right? Just kind of slowly open and close the eyes to get that without the visual input. And then from there, your next progression is to do that exact same thing. Just close the eyes for a little bit longer. Close them as long as you can until you feel like that mace bell is falling. Like it's falling and you try and control it. You can't get it back. You can't quite tell where it is. You know that it's trying to throw you off, but those receptors aren't quite fine-tuned enough to tell you which direction exactly is it trying to pull you off. And that's how you calibrate the system. That's how you get it going. And again, in more sports, functional movements as well. But I like starting out with the elbow down by the side, elbow flexion 90 degrees, keeping the shoulder nice and still. Alright y'all, it's a little bit of a look into shoulder proprioception. Uh, specifically for the overhead athlete, why it's important, why we care, and what we can do about it. Again, we'll get into a little bit more detail with sport-specific training uh, in future days. But again, try that laser pointer thing, whether it's static, or you just kind of, you know, on and off, eyes closed, eyes open, or whether, and let's see if it drifts away at all, to whether it's, you know, you're doing the tracking, to whether it's you going through a... PICR, point of instantaneous center of rotation, up and down into internal external rotation, keeping that shoulder stable, and just following that laser point along the line that you calibrate your body to. You know, if you deviate from that, you're going into some aberrant motions, more flexion, extension of the elbow, um, different adduction, abduction of the shoulder, 
and so really correcting for that, getting that fine tune. Alright y'all, have a great day out there, and hey, proprioception, be aware, simply not easy.